What's up, y'all? We're back. Today is not our typical episodes we've been doing for the last couple episodes. We're not reviewing a driver. We'll be talking a little bit about the headlines. Um, well, I mean, there's not really headlines, but we'll talk a little bit about the new F-122 stuff that's going on. How you feeling, bro? What are we feeling like good, s- man, because we're getting closer, right? We're still like 70 days out. Well, you know, it's just we're going to be close to seeing cars on track. Bro, no one cares about spring race. Yeah, but you know what? Like, you know that. You know like, that you and I are both going to be watching it. I know, but do you actually care about it? Like, I don't care until race weekend comes up. Of course, race weekend. But when you're waiting, it's just having and seeing the first one. I'm excited for the liveries to be unveiled. Okay, that's always cool. You want to see what the cars look. They do a big unveiling. That's going to be fun. Then to see the car on the track, how are the drivers reacting? And of course, we're going to talk about it today, but we're all, we're going into this new season where winter testing might be looked at a little bit more closely because we don't know what to expect. The drivers have only had, they, they have only been able to use a sim. I mean, some of them got a chance to drive out with the rim, with the rims and stuff. Got got a little bit of feel for it. I think Alonso will be really good to start. I th- that is my early prediction. A lot of so where um, are we starting today? I think we should start with a car. There's 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 a lot of chatter around it right now. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, who obviously is not an F1 driver anymore, he did a whole piece on on he wrote a whole piece on what he thinks about the cars, and you know he said ultimately. Um, between winter testing and probably the halfway point of the season, that's going to be the fairest shot that low teams will have. Because once the teams that have the budgets figure it out, then it'll be game over. So this whole idea of well, trying to make Well, how does that make sense when there's a ca- budget cap spend? Well, we all know that the budget cap spends are completely... I mean, there's workarounds, but at the same time, it's like how much more can you really dominate? Because you can still only spend 140 Five million, no? Yeah, I'm. Of course, I think teams will find ways. Whether it's you know paying off different companies or bringing in more workforce, I think that is where you can. You know, you said it. Look at Mercedes. I mean, they can just give Patronas more money to figure it out. Yeah, I understand that. But what I'm saying to you is, at the end of the day, I don't understand what the halfway like. I feel teams will have a shot next year, but at the same time, I really don't think that's true because. Mercedes is already so ahead in Red Bull in terms of all their other technology. So it's like, do you really expect teams to have a fair shot? I don't. But for whatever reason, people think that this new car is going to make the sport more level. I don't. Yeah, so it may make the sport more level, but who are the best drivers? The one thing that's consistent is everybody keeps saying, like, this is all about the driver. So, I mean, Lewis Hamilton is known as being the best driver along with Max Verstappen. So it's like, do we really have a conversation? You know what this I mean? Is, and this is why winter testing is going to be looked at because, you know, even Ross Braun said that this is the first time in F1's history that they, with, and that he referenced Liberty in saying that they don't care about how the car looks. They just want to level the playing field. And he said the biggest difference will be that it's not going to be solely performance there's going to be a lot more driver input that is going to dictate uh success but that doesn't teams with the bigger budgets get to spend more on their top three employees so it doesn't really change anything for me unless the drivers struggle to learn and adapt to the new car yeah but that's not what i'm saying like the best drivers are the best drivers yes or no 
Yeah. And so your budget towards your, your salary towards your driver is not going to count towards your budget. So they're still going to have the best drivers. Like people thinking that this is going to come in equals. Like, I think it's crazy. I think they'll have more. I think the midfield will be a lot more packed. Like, Haas is still going to be bad. No, I don't think Haas. I think the midfield will be more competitive. Yeah. But there's still going to be separation between the championship fighters. Yeah. And, you know, like the more I've thought about F1, it's like, I mean, Really, in every sport, you've got the contenders and you got the rest of the pack. Like, there's always going to be the contenders and the rest of the pack. Like, do we ever expect any sport to be level? No, there's always teams that can spend more. Whether you can't physically, I think the salary cap is really hard to judge because F1 is such a different sport. But like, when you look at like a sport like the NBA and all these other sports, they put a salary cap on human capital, like in what you can spend on your roster. So. But then teams still spend more and pay more in taxes. Yeah, I mean, they spend more and pay more in taxes. They do other stuff where they have more staff to have better facilities. So, you know what? They don't control how much Mercedes can spend on the facility and all this different stuff. So, I mean, it's hard to judge. I just don't think we'll ever get to that competitive point where all teams will be competitive. I do think that they're just like we said. The contenders will stand out more, but the pretenders will always be pretenders. Like, that's just the way the sports go. Like, there's always going to be two, probably in Formula One, three teams that really compete. Maybe a fourth, but... And I think that's what you're hopeful for is... um, Okay, so this past year, we saw really just not two teams. We just saw Lewis and Max. Like, will we see more than just Lewis and Max? Yeah, I mean, where do you... where do Is that because of circumstance? Because Checo's on a new team... Um, and obviously, we've already talked about Valtteri throughout the whole year. It's, now they have George Russell, and Checo's had a whole year under the car. So what do you expect now? Yeah. I think the there's going to be so many battles and so many different... Um, like, yeah, I guess battles is a word that we're going to want to watch this year because we've said that George is not really coming to a new team, although he is. How will will George be better than Checo? And I think we're we're both in the same. Like, of course, he's going to be better. I don't think it's a course. I just think, I, I think George will be better, but I don't think it's guaranteed. I mean, Checo is Checo, bro. Checo's like, been driving for so like we've seven got, years. We've got, obviously, what will happen with, with how Lewis will come back. We've, Max has obviously got to defend the championship. you got the Checo George. And then you look at McLaren and Ferrari, and Ferrari's doubling down on their strategy with um, signs. Yeah, I mean, what do you mean by doubling down? Like, I always felt that Signs was there as like a, you know, he's just a placeholder till we find someone. That's what I initially felt and got when they signed him. And now they're, you know, obviously extending him. Well, they're in conversations with him. It's not that they're extending him. He may decide to leave, but just so everybody knows. And I th- yeah, and I think it's because of how strong he finished the year. And we all know how they feel about Charles and his long-term. I think he's got the longest, has had the longest contract ever given to someone of his age. Um, I think he's had the longest Ferrari contract ever given. Yeah, so now that, you know, they're having these conversations and it looks like Carlos is going to stay. Ferrari is feeling good about how they finished the year. Um, it was well documented that they were really focused on this car for, for this coming season. And now there's going to be real stability and structure between Charles and Carlos. It's going assuming to be... Assuming Char- Carlos signs for a long-term Of year. course, assuming. It's all assumption. But Ferrari is, is feeling good about 
getting back to a position where they can actually challenge. Yeah, and I said I said my hot take that I think Ferrari would be number two next year and they would take down Red Bull. I think Ferrari will get back to the winning ways. It's about time they get back to the winning ways. I really do think that. A um, couple of things around Ferrari we can talk about. A, Charles said that his race management has improved quite a bit and that he, that's something he thinks he's struggled on. So how do you feel about that watching Charles through the years? Do you think his race, race management has gotten better? Where do you expect Charles to finish? I think, and I mean, I, ha- I did not spend as much time watching Charles as I did, obviously, uh, Lewis and, and Max this year. But in going back and watching it, I think Charles, I don't think he took a step back this season. But I really don't think he actually went forward this season. I think it was much of very, very average season for him. He had a poll. Yeah, he had a poll, and obviously we saw what happened in Monaco. So let me ask you this. Why did he why did he have an average season? How can you really even judge his 2020 season when the car was a disaster? Because I don't judge the 2020 season because the Ferrari car was absolutely it was a hot mess. Well, I we think, we can swear on this pod. It it was a shit show for our yeah, shit I, show in 2020. It definitely was. I think what I'm more surprised by and why I said that is I didn't expect Carlos to do as well as he did. Yeah, but do you know that's Ferrari tradition? In what sense? The new driver always beats the old driver every single year since Kimi Raikkonen. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, so so sh- think about it. Vettel beat um Kimi. Kimi beat So wait, every since Kimmy, oh, the since new Kimi. drivers come in and beat the yeah, current Okay, well, Charles you know, beat Vettel last and year. And you think there's um, two years ago? You think there's there's legitimate legitimacy behind that? I mean, it, it, it seems like it's tradition, right? That's I mean, it's happened crazy. four times in a row. So, see, I I didn't have that <laughs> in my mind, but I definitely. So, I, I've I mean, been that on really- I've been on record on the pod saying that I think science is trash, and then science has come back and showed that he's a good F1 driver. I That is why I was kind of influenced in the way of, you know, Charles. Charles is good. But I mean, even, even Marco Helmet said that Carlos debunked the Charles myth, but it's like Charles is in his third year of F1. So are we really putting, are we really putting a label on Charles? Yeah. Yet? And that's the upside in Charles is he's a young talent, right? Like extremely young talent. I want to get back to like, he's very young, but I want to get back to why did you think signs is bad? Like he showed nothing to say he's a bad driver. Performed well in McLaren last year. He's in a new car in Ferrari. He's like, what made you think Carlos is bad? Like, was it for you only Lewis and Max and everybody else sucks because they were one and two? I mean, there was def- there was definitely a lot of that. But if I think back to why I thought Carlos was washed was... I How's found- he washed? He's like 28. Exactly. <laughs> like, But I used to, in my mind, I was like, this guy's washed. He's jumped from team to team to team. Um, and I think that's in my mind was like, why hasn't he found a home? Well, he went from Toro also. Okay. Then he went to Renault, right? Then he went to Renault. And then he went to McLaren. So he's only upgraded. So what are you talking about? It's, you know, it still feels like a lot of jumping, especially from Renault, McLaren, Ferrari. But uh, what I'm saying, but he, he's upgraded every single time. He hasn't taken a step back. So what do you mean by, like, I, I'm I'm curious to understand where you think he was washed, like performance-wise, or you just didn't? I always... In my mind is, I feel like wherever you are, you need to find, like, you shouldn't spend that much time jumping. I mean, he's had four teams. Yeah, but he's gone to better teams, though. So what's the conversation? But four teams at 27. 
Yeah, but he started off at a junior development team. He went to the fourth best team, Renault, which was Renault's known for being a competitive mid-pack team. Then he went to McLaren, which is considered one of the more is a higher team. Now he's gone to the the biggest brand in Formula One, you would argue, for Ferrari. So it's like, if someone keeps upgrading, I don't understand. Like, I don't. We don't have to stay on this topic much longer. Yeah, I just don't I, understand where you think he's bad from. You know, I, I it's just I think because of Ferrari's recency, like I feel like McLaren or Ferrari isn't that much of an upgrade. It is though. Ferrari is Ferrari. Ferrari has it, the biggest, of course. Ferrari but has it's the biggest also budget. Like talking the biggest about. And I, I don't actually, I won't go there, but um, yeah, they are rich in history. But yeah, but they, they had one off year. I think it's it's really been the last two years. Was last year really an off year? Was this year? Was twenty twenty one? Well, we really we've year? said it. Like if Ferrari's not challenging, then they, I know. But I'm saying they were challenging twenty nineteen. Twenty twenty had an off year. They had to bounce back. They had to get the car aligned in this yeah. year. So like, how many off years did they really have? Then maybe it debunks the theory. I I was not high on Carlos as you watched the season. He showed why he's a great driver. Okay, we have a he's bigger question now though. But where, where did Ferrari somewhat become a McLaren? Like, isn't Ferrari still the biggest brand in F one? Like, are are like are we? Am I missing something? Like, I I, I actually don't think they're the biggest brand in F one in terms of legacy and historic. Like, isn't driving Ferrari still the biggest privilege, the biggest brand to drive for? I think in that aspect, yeah. But as far as the biggest brand F1, I, I think if you look at everything else from merchandise sales to, I don't think. Sure, maybe. But I'm saying back to my original point, he went from Toro sure. also, junior development team, to Renault, a bigger brand, McLaren, a bigger brand than Ferrari. So like his moves have been upwards. They haven't been downwards. If he went from Toro Rosso Did you not to feel Ferrari to- like... He was almost forced out of McLaren because him and Lando were starting to bump heads. Maybe so. See, that's that was like they they there was definitely some friction there, and I, I felt like it was. I but didn't did it, think didn't that Ferrari, Carlos wanted to stay. I think Ferrari made did, Ferrari made a very competitive offer and signed him early in the season. Yeah, definitely. But I think I, initially Carlos wasn't looking to leave McLaren. It was almost I mean, as it, if didn't he resign in like December before. Like he, he no, didn't he resign like early? Sorry, not December. I'm thinking of different timelines. Didn't he sign early in the season to Ferrari, and that put Seb in an awkward position all year? He resigned quite early. I think he wanted to leave McLaren. I mean, it, it. You have to look at historical context. It is an honor to race for Ferrari. That like, even Lewis has talked about it. That he wanted to race for a Ferrari at one point too, but that probably won't happen at this point unless he goes to Ferrari for one year as a legacy play. And he's still at a top form, and Mercedes yeah. don't want him. I think amongst drivers, racing for Ferrari is is always going to be special because of their history. Michael Schumacher, that there's that is highly talked about. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, was, I was just I just don't understand the si- Carlos Sainz. Sla- but regardless, I think regardless now Slander, that they're doubling sorry. down and they're not prioritizing a number one driver, we're going to see a return. That is... I don't think there was a number one driver this year, though. It didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like it to me. However, based on everything with Charles, you would just automatically think that he was first? Well, they think he's the future, but I don't think... I think number one drivers are different in some different teams. Like, when you're competing for a championship, I think you have a clear-cut number one, but I don't think Ferrari ever thought they were actually competing for a championship. That's just my own take. I don't. It's not facts. Like, you think McLaren actually... Like, think about McLaren, Ferrari, and all these other teams. The only clear number one drivers we had 
were Lewis and Max. Any team that was competing mid-pack is yeah. whoever has the best result. I think you, in when you look at McLaren, it's just like, you know that Lando's the future of McLaren and not Ricardo. So in your mind, you're like, okay, he's the number one driver. I but agree he's with not. you. I agree with you that Lando and Charles, by definition, are the number one drivers because they probably project longer futures. But what I'm more saying is like during race weekend, I don't feel like there's any priority on any driver other than Red Bull Mercedes. Like, yeah. But do you think that is also the case because of, you know, to think about how heavy the coverage is on Mercedes and Red Bull. Maybe we don't see that side. Um, Claren and Ferrari. Yeah. I'm not talking about coverage. When you think about race, when Danny's doing better, do they ever ask Danny to change his strategy? It's always about who can finish higher. I mean, you're just fighting for points at that point. You don't have the luxury of yeah. being. I mean, I've they give no indication that they do prioritize it. But driver. that's what I'm saying. We can't speculate around media. We can only see yeah. what we see, right? So when you look at the data given to us, have you ever seen, like, you see it when Ferrari's like, okay, Carlos says he has more pace. Go let him chase. And then if he doesn't, they let Charles catch up and take his Agreed. spot back. Yeah, outside of one, two... When you look at the mid pack, there isn't really a clear number one driver amongst any oh, of the there, teams. There's always Even a Alpine. Favorite. I mean, you think Ocon is Ocon the future there? Is he? Maybe not. But I don't think Ocon's the future. No, I don't think Ocon's it. I think Ocon has a very Nico Hulkenberg like career. I could be wrong. I think he's talented. I think you have to be talented to drive for Alpine and, and win a race like he did. He's shown he's talented. But if you don't have a Lewis slash Max talent and what people think of Lando when people think of George, it's like do you lock in and what people think of Charles? Like who, who's the future if the, you don't think that highly of those guys? Mercedes had Ocon. So, cause that's the bond. I know he's a test driver for them. So when you look at the, the young core, right? So let's go Lando, Charles, George. You have to add Ocon in there. You have but, to add Mick. Yeah. But Lando, Charles and George are like the clear leaders of the, of the young core. I think Charles, you have to throw Charles in there. Okay. I mean, he's where, where do you think Charles actually... S- in 2019, he was very competitive. And, you know, yeah. I mean, Ferrari had their own question marks around the car. And they obviously paid for that. But when he was in competitive car, he was competitive. He beat Seb. It's not like Seb is a joke. Yeah. And when you do look at this young core, it, there's always been a lot of turnover in this sport. But this young core feels like it's here to stay. And I feel like the sport is branded quite a bit of, around them that they're not going anywhere either. Yeah, I don't think... Those guys have at least another four years in F1. Even if they have two bad years, some team is still going to gamble on them and see what they look like. They're young talent, and F1's moving towards younger a younger audience, and it's moving towards younger drivers. When you kind of look at Charles, he's at very high points. He's at some low points. I think you look at the same with George. George is very talented. He's shown what he can do in that one Mercedes car, but I think George has the shortest leash out of all of them. I would say, I think Lando and Charles already proved they are capable F1 drivers. They haven't proved their world championship level drivers yet. They look like they're on their way. Obviously, Max is, a, Max is a world champion. Max is in his own tier. Let's not mistake that. But I think George still has a lot to prove. He's proven with opportunities he's given, but he still has a lot to prove. Well, let me ask you this. What would you prefer to have come into the sport and gone into a, a good team like a Oh, a Ferrari I thing, know or George's George's route because you know those other guys at times George was probably like man like my boys are in these better teams are doing well now George is gonna leapfrog all of them I wouldn't say he's gonna leapfrog them he still has to be a better driver I prefer George's route because you actually get to learn the ins and outs of cars you you get to take you don't take the sport for granted 
because because yeah, he, he's he's been in a position where his car has sucked. He has to work the hardest out of all of them to even be competitive. He sh- he also has to have a lot of input in the car. You get to work with so many different people at a different level. Um, but I would much prefer to take George's route because you get to feel the licks. I mean, you could argue that that's not the successful world champion because you look at Lewis and Max, they both joined successful teams and they're world champions. Um, but I mean, Michael joined a small team. He joined yeah. Benetton Renault. That's what I think I have really come to like about George's route is the fact that he's done it at Williams, which makes him really appreciate where he's heading. And we saw it at Secure because in one race, look what he was able to achieve. I mean, Mercedes was classes ahead of everybody, but he showed he could beat his teammate. He made Valtteri look bad. He also came back and showed he had fight after he had, obviously, the mistake in um, uh, pit stop and the puncture. So I know, just terrible luck. Which was just like felt like George's always has this bad luck around, but still was able to fight, and that's what you love to see. These young drivers, though, I think we mentioned the only one we haven't mentioned, and I think we didn't mention it because we know that he's probably not going to be a, a main stay in F one is um, Alex Albon. Well, no, I want to ask you this: Who cares about Alex Albon? He's he's so he's in that young core though, but he's so irrelevant. I mean, we didn't mention Nikita, we didn't mention Mick, we didn't mention a lot. We did of say guys. Mick. You you said Mick. Okay, I mean Esteban, yeah, Alex Albon. Um, but yeah, I think Albon's irrelevant right now. He hasn't proven what he can do in a top car. Honestly, that's the opinion. crazy thing. He was given a top car right away. So I wanted to ask you this quickly before we bounce to the next topic. Um, do you think Mick belongs in that conversation with those guys? Oh, I, I, I just, hang on. It's a two-part question. If he doesn't, what does he have to do to prove he belongs this in the upcoming season? So I think Mick needs one more year because this was obviously his first year in the sport. He was with a very bad team. Um, it's hard to say he's in that conversation. We've seen what his peers think about him, and they think very highly of him. The other drivers have put him in the top 10. But I, I'm not... Saying yes or no, I need to see this season. Second year in the car, new car, second year in F1 to to really say, you know what, Mick is going to be in a top racing team in the next three years. So you need this season to prove it. Because it's hard to really say, like, he they they were in a terrible car with used chassis and, like, Hey, I agree. We haven't you. really seen what he can do in an F1 car. I agree with you. I, I think he needs a year to prove it. Some people already put him in that young tier that's going to be really good. But I, I mean, Mick's still got a lot to prove. Like, what could Mick have done in a Williams car, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I just do think that he's shown some bright spots. Obviously, making out a Q, making it two Q2 in a Haas is he's obviously beat Nikita. So he's shown that he has flashes of potential. I think he needs this year. I think this year is a big year for him to either really put him in that stratosphere or he'll sit in his okay. How do you think these teams and principals really evaluate his talent when you know that he's not really got a fair shot or he's not on a level well, playing field? Right, like we talked about, I think there's a lot of data. I think for, I mean, Benato's come out and say they're very happy with Mick from what they've seen. So they have a lot more data than we do. They probably look at the car pace and look at what pace he's putting out versus what his teammate is, looking at certain things. So I'm going to say that they have a lot better read than we do, and everybody in the sports team is quite high on Mick. He did out-qualify Mick every... I mean, Nikita. Uh, Nikita, yeah, right. Yeah, so he pretty much... He dominated in that Haas car compared to his teammate, and that's all you can ask for, right? 
So you have they have more data than we do, so they obviously be able to make a better judgment. But he beat Nikita quite handsomely all year. So I can't. The only thing I can judge Nick, sorry, the only thing I can judge Mick off is his performance versus his teammate, and he did stellar in that. That is, you know, we came in to this pod today to talk about you know some of the updates within the industry, but it is exciting to look at the young core of F one. Like it, it is truly. They're invested into the young, young drivers and young drivers that look like they're here to stay. Yeah. What are you going to do when Lewis retires? Who are you going to latch on to? You're going to latch on to George because he's a Mercedes driver? Like, I don't know if the sport will be that enticing for you when, when Lewis retires. You know, when Lewis retires, um, so I look at, when I look at the grid now, obviously I can't sit here and say I like George because I've just converted based on objectively looking at the sport and realizing that George is talented. Okay. Hey, now, uh, George. Will, we finish that. So you're not a George fan yet. Well, I'd be lying if I said I was a George fan. No, that's that's cool. I'm just I'm just asking. So yeah. you're not a George fan. Okay, okay, cool. But he is deserving of the seat. He's a young talent. And you know what? I think now that I, I'm going to watch him in a Mercedes, I will come to like him, right? Yeah. And that's, what you, that's how fandom grows on people, right? You start to watch someone. You, you like them. You, everything from their performance to the way they are off the track. So I think there's a potential there with George... But other drivers, um, how, like I, I do like Lando. Like, how could I not like Lando? Lando yeah, I mean, is, everybody likes Lando. Lando bro. is his most likable individual off the track, and he's a young talent. I will say, I, I don't see myself falling in love with a Charles. Um, I got love for Charles. I like Charles. I, I, don't, I just, yeah, you know, like it's just one of those things, right? It's all just personal opinion. So. I think you're an Albon fan, a closet fan. I'm not, man. Yeah, bro. You, I mean, you always, you always, you always sing Albon's praises. You bring them up. You think Williams gonna do well? I think secretly you're an Albon fan. I, I will be. I think the drivers that I'll um, really start to pay more attention to as a fan will be George, Lando, and Mick. Uh, uh, see, I'm fans of all of them. I'm fans of my favorite driver is George. I love Lando. I love Mick. I do like Charles, but yeah, those are the top, and I like Lewis. Those are the top, kind of the guys I really like to watch. And you know what? And I like Alonzo. I'll put that on I Max. feel I like, like Max is going to be someone that I just absolutely dislike because he is Lewis's rival. But at some point in time, it will be similar to what LeBron James is in the NBA. I hate LeBron. Well, hate's a strong word. I dislike LeBron, but I appreciate the greatness. Yeah. Cool. I was going to ask you that. What, how do you feel about Max in terms of just a racer, not his personality? Um, so we'll move on to the next thing I got on the checklist. So we talked about a lot about moving to a bigger team. So both Checo and George spoke about the obligations that come from a new team, meaning at Racing Point and Williams, you don't have as much press. You don't have as much media. You don't have as much yeah. obligation. How much do you think that plays a factor? Because I mean, your, your whole life is now dedicated to racing before it was, but purely from a racing aspect. Now you're focus on your branding, you're focusing on team obligations, media obligations. So what are, you, what are some of your thoughts on that? When you come from a team like Williams, where no one really cares to talk to you. See, so I don't think that's right. Come on, put some respect on Williams. Maybe Williams, yes. Williams, yes. Williams has 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 some press around it. Sure, just because of the, the name. Haas, nobody cares about. Alfa yeah, Romeo, nobody cares about. But you now come to say Red Bull. Mercedes, we're talking the pinnacle of the sport right now. Hey, I just asked you to put some respect on Williams' name. They are still Williams. And <laughs> it's um, it's next level, man. Like, I think in any sport, we talk about teams that have 
big markets or, or are in geographically big markets or have a lot of uh, awareness around them, it's, it's drastically different because you're being pulled a hundred different ways. You're also coming to an organization that has um, almost unlimited amounts of resources in comparison to where you were. So it's a huge adjustment. And I think that that does take a toll mentally on your performance, whether you're even cognizant of it or not. I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with it. Uh, I think that George and Checo will both have great years next year. Checo wants a challenge for a world championship. Obviously, George is as well. So we'll, it'll be interesting. Think to about see. someone like George. His personal Instagram following. If we look at it today and we s- just set a reminder to talk about it in six months, like it's going to change a lot. I mean, I don't think George cares about his Instagram following, though. But we're just talking about what a big team does. It's, you said personal brand, obligation. Like it just yeah, means but, you have more attention. But that's not, I'm more meant just like, you can't just focus on racing because you have to do so much media. You have to do team obligations, like all the videos that Valtteri does. You have to speak to more press. I meant more from a racing standpoint more yeah, than a personal I, as- aspect. Because you don't get to race as much as you want to. Like, imagine like someone that just wants to race the whole time. Yeah, well, that's why someone like, you know, Kimi Raikkonen was so happy to leave the sport. And and that's why I think something like when you spoke about which path you prefer, I, although I'm not winning, I prefer I'm working on my craft. So that's why I prefer the George Russell route. Because although Williams gets attention because they're Williams, if you join Mercedes, it's like you don't get to fully as a young driver focus completely yeah, you're, on your You're going to be in the news run a lot more. You're going to have to deal with all the, the garbage that comes with that. And it's not even that. You just don't get the time. Like, think about this from a comparison because a lot of our fans are from America. Think about going to Oklahoma City compared to playing for the Lakers. Oklahoma City, you just got to work on your craft. And that's, yeah. what, that's where I I'm mean, going. I mean, you can this. just be in the cave working on your craft with no distractions. Yeah. And that's where I'm going is that you just don't get the time. I, I, I get it. The branding, all that stuff. But the main thing is like, man... George and Checo just don't get to work on their craft as much if they wanted to, right? And that's why if you get elevated to the best team, I mean, look what happened to Albon. Look what happened to Pierre Gasly. I mean, you you have to perform. You got to deal with everything, plus the pressure. If you're not made out to be great, you're not going to last on a great team. No, I don't think so. Um, how do you feel about Danny Ricardo saying that <laughs> Mr. Marco Helmet kicked him when he was down or gave him tough love? And I say that quote unquote. Yeah, it doesn't down. surprise me at all. I think Marco Helmet is a douchebag. Oh wow! So you, we just don't like Red Bull at all. I think other than Helmet, really, <laughs> the way and, that he portrays himself is very douchebaggy. Him and Christian Horner just epitomize each like other. Like Christian Horner is just the annoying mosquito, but Marco Helmet, I think at times is like maybe he's getting a bit up there in age, but like guys, kind of crazy. A little bit crazy. I mean, and Daniel Ricardo is probably right. Like, and I'm sure if we went up here, Gasly, when he's not with AlphaTauri, he'll say the same thing. Well, that's why Red Bull has so many swaps. <laughs> but like, he's he was saying that McLaren uplifts their drivers when they're having tough times. If it's more of like a family atmosphere, I mean, where Red Bull will put a lot leadership. of pressure on you, right? I mean, geez, that that's a whole different conversation we could talk about. But different people respond to different leadership. Some people like tough tough love. Some people need tough love, and some people need to be coddled, right? I think you and I both know from firsthand experience and if we look at just overall coaching styles in today, like it is pretty proven now that people do not respond well to that kind of criticism. Well, it depends what you're talking about. I, I, I think that's a, I, I think that's a great conversation. There's being 
blatantly disrespectful. And then there's just being honest and blunt. Yeah, being honest and blunt is one thing, but talking to someone in a derogatory manner or swearing at them. But but that's not what's what he's saying. He's saying that Marco Helmet was tough love all the time. Yeah, maybe and I don't he's think saying tough that love is, politically. But we don't know. But I'm yeah. saying, but, but we're, our conversation is... Tough love may be better for some driver. Like Valtteri, Valtteri Bottas needed needs tough, love. tough love. But tough love, I, I have no problem with. But I think Marco Helmet, and uh, see, I went straight to what I think about him. I think that if you're not winning races for him, you are dead me, dead weight to him. I hear you, but well, our conversation is not revolving yeah. around Marco Helmet. What I'm asking you is, and this is a great conversation, is, is tough love really worse? Like, I think it just depends on the individual. Like, me personally, I don't want someone to sugarcoat something. Be blunt with me, be yeah, honest, and we'll I'm, move on. I'm happy with that. And obviously, someone like Veltri needs a tough love. He needs to be constantly told to perform. Yeah. So, it's it's an interesting conversation. I, I just think it's... I think Danny Ricardo. when you think about him, he definitely needs to be uplifted rather than tough love, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, Danny is like a feel-good person. Good vibes only. Like, Yeah, he doesn't... So... He wants to be coddled a little bit, maybe. And I think someone like Max Verstappen probably responds to the tough love for, that Marco Helmet gives because Max is always like straight shooter. Max, I think, definitely gets the tough love, but also is Marco's like golden child. Yeah. Did you see how uh, Tor also had to tell Joss to like basically f off? No, I didn't. Yeah, they basically were saying that uh, you need to leave <laughs> your kid's career in our hands. We know you're a Formula F1 driver, Joss Verstappen, but let me deal with this. Like, yeah, like that's and you know that prepared. I'm sure that's tough at times because someone like Max's dad is very. You can tell. I mean, obviously, you just saw the championship race. Like he's there, he's so hands on in it. But at times, like, dude, you don't work for the team. Yeah, that 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 was the whole point of the article where Tara Russell engineer was just be like, "Fuck off." That's what yeah. they said, and it's a fine line because. He's your superstar driver's dad, but at the same time, it's like, yo, leave us alone. So there is no fine line. It's business. Yeah. If your superstar doesn't understand that this is our team, this is how we operate. He's the wrong person. He's not. The- yeah. It, it's, it's not the wrong person, but like businesses need to conduct their business. Right. Yeah. So you can take feedback from the dad, but it should be, he should also. He should a, understand there's a, there's his place. A, there's a, there's a fine line. Like I understand you want to sometimes have your input, but at the end of the day, it's my driver under my contract. I think. This is an this is a very similar story, but not as crazy as like a Levar Ball and the fact that sometimes even your own kids are like, "Yo, Dad, leave it alone." Yeah, and I don't I don't think Max is I don't think Max would take that person just knowing who Max is. He's just he wants to be the best driver he is. So his dad, if he has comments, should never be like. I was I don't know who it was, but oh, it was on one of our shows. If you guys are NBA fans, go check out Tipping the Scales. But um, Mr. Br- Mr. Brunson. Um, Rick Brunson, that's his name, right? Mm-hmm. He said that he would never ever criticize his coach or say anything to his coach in front of to Jaylen. his son's coach. His son's coach in front of Jalen. All of his feedback would be he would call him personally. Yeah, I think that's just understanding your audience, time, place, or everything. But even then, he's like, I would never interfere with the coaching because they already have a job. It is, and you know, we'll get back to Formula One. But the whole point is that it's crazy to think that. Um, Tara Russell actually accepted it because in my head, can you imagine Joss was all over Red Bull this year? It's like, yeah. just let Max do his thing. If you give the feedback to Max, if Max thinks it makes sense, then Max will bring it back to us. That's how sure. it really should and be. And that's where he has to realize what role does he want to play? Does he want to play Max's dad or does he want to work for an F1 team? Yeah, I mean, he 
you got to play dad first. Exactly. And then if you got to roll at Red Bull, that'd be a whole different story. Everybody would just be questioning Man, Red Bull. And that's why this year, you've said it with Ferrari, like, I think Red Bull, and maybe I'm just optimistically just crazy, but I think Red Bull's going to struggle this year. See, I don't think... I don't... Uh, okay. See, I'm not in the same boat with you that Red Bull's going to struggle. I think... Ferrari's just going to pull itself by the bootstrap. I think Ferrari's just going to elevate. They're going to level up. I think Ferrari's going to level up. I don't think Red... I don't think any of the top teams are going down. I think it's more of a level up for everybody. Like, Haas will be able to level up. I think, if anything, Mercedes, Red Bull will take a step back. Yeah. I think they... So, people might be confused with what I'm saying. They're so far ahead that taking a step back doesn't put them in the same level, if that makes sense. Fair. But they'll take a step back while everybody else levels up. And that's what's going to even the playing field. Because when you're so ahead and you have to throw confusion, well, the people that are ahead have to adapt. The people that are new are allowed to take risks and take chances. You know what I mean? Like, they can... Like, Haas, what do they have to lose? Yeah, so (laughs) let's... Let me ask you this. Will we see a team this year... Score zero points? Zero points. No. Every team will score a point this year. Because Haas was the only team that had zero points. Every team will score a point this year. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I will put that on wax. Today is Monday, January 10th. It's 1.30 Atlantic Standard Time. Is that it? Yeah. So it's 12.30 Eastern, and it is 9.30 Pacific Time. And for anybody in the Americas, I'm putting it on wax right now. That every team will score every a point. F1 team will score at least yeah. one point. Nine thirty Eastern. They will record sorry. a point. Yeah. Twelve thirty Eastern, nine nine thirty Pacific time. I'm putting it on wax. Yo, was this Haas's first year ever not scoring a point? I don't did they I st- think it is. Did they score last year? I mean, we won't talk okay, let, 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 let while you look at that, I'm gonna segue to the next. This is actually Haas. Mick has high expectations with a twenty thousand twenty-two car. I scored three points. Wow. <laughs> is, yeah, I think every team will score. But Mick has high expectations with the 2022 car. What do you make out of that? I think Mick is an optimist, always positive. Like his dad. I think uh, <laughs> Mick was, would have thought that this year coming into it. He's, he brings a winning attitude to everything that he does in life. And, he, and that um, is just from all that I've seen as a fan. And he also... Uh, he... Um, he just he just seems like he's a very well-grounded kid. Honestly, the more I hear from Mick, watch of Mick, I'm like, this guy is what? As young as he is, he but he comes across like he's got his father. I think you have to though. When your dad is like when your dad is Michael Schumacher, Michael level Jordan, of maturity is on a different level. When, when your dad is a goat at anything, you have to elevate. Because your dad, you're in your dad's footsteps. But I think right? if you look at goats in other sports. A lot of times their kids are never even... Yeah, they don't perform, but think about their maturity level. Like, even Michael Jeffrey Jordan's kids, they're quite mature from what I've seen. LeBron, Bronny is quite mature as well. Like, uh, Natalia, she's mature as well. Like, all these... all the, Like, think about Gigi. They're all yeah, mature. of course. Because you can't not be mature. I mean, you. yeah, you're, you're growing up in such an athlete. I, I think... I think when you have, like, an athlete compared to an entertainer, it's two different stories. An entertainer, they don't live by guidelines. Athletes have to live by guidelines. Yeah, athletes have guiding principles for their craft. And it's not even guiding principles. You have contracts with teams. 
So you have to conduct yourself in a certain way. An entertainer can conduct them however they want them. Yeah, it, they have no... They just get judged by the public court of opinion. They don't get judged by, like, their teams Very and stuff, true. Right? So it's a little different, but... But I hope Mick... I would like to see maybe a little bit more fierceness from Mick. Like, he's very nice. So is Lando. Yeah, we heard we we've heard Lando on the radio get a little shut up, guys. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm sure you hear from Mick too. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We need we need the Haas tap. Yeah, we Haas just doesn't get enough radio tap ins for for us to even know. Yeah, but that's what comes across first is like you know Mick is he's a all nice about German boy, nice, but he's really nice. And in order to to really, I mean, he's a nice German asshole. boy. <laughs> every every champion, including his father. Complete assholes. I don't sometimes. think they're assholes. I think they have a nasty streak to them. You have really, to. Does Lewis really have a nasty streak to think him? Think about the time Michael tried to crash <laughs> when he, and okay. he ruined himself. Okay, let me ask you this. Did, didn't does, does Nico really have a nastiness to him? Nico Rosberg? Is he that nasty? Bro, that year he was like... Evil. No, I know, but I'm saying, is he that nasty? No, like, like he's not an asshole. I mean, you're saying asshole. <laughs> like yeah, asshole's yeah. different. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> they have these in the moment. Hot. You have to be a fierce competitor. I, I think that is what it is. Yeah, like that's what I want to see from Mick. I mean, I mean we. Ha- He's not competitive. And that's Haas. why we need the, another year to really see. <laughs> but here's the thing: How do you expect to see his competitiveness when he's in a, not in a competitive situation? I know it's embarrassing. Um, okay, we'll move on from Haas. Uh, quick notes. I don't actually. Before we enter that, do you have anything you want to discuss? I, I've kind of been. Well, I really wanted to talk about. I mean, we've talked about the car, and I we went into the young drivers, and I think that's the beauty of where we are in F one today. Is we're not just seeing random overnight drivers. Like there is an emphasis and focus on young talent, and young talent that's not going to turn over. I mean, we don't know if it'll turn over, but I understand what you're saying. The talent could turn over tomorrow. Here's a quick note. Uh, me and Matt were talking about it, and I just want your quick thoughts, and then we'll move on to some rapid stuff. Um, actually, this is part of it. Does Nick DeVries deserve a shot? Because he said Mick, he, he deserved a shot more than Mick. And I said it was circumstantial because there was no seats when Nick DeVries won. I, I, you know what? Nick DeVries has climbed the mountaintop in the, and he's followed the steps F2, to get to F1. F2, F2. So I think, you know, when you look at Nick DeVries, I mean, why shouldn't he get a shot? And I think if I'm looking at the grid right now. Um, okay, so Nick or Nikita? I'm taking Nick DeVries. I think so too. And you know what? I'd probably even take Nick DeVries over Esteban Ocon. Oh, I think you're crazy. Ocon's proven he's, but a, you, he's a good but F1 you, driver. You know, the thing with Ocon is, is he plateaued? Sure, that's a thing, but is Alpine looking for instability? No, I th- listen, Alpine's definitely not. Uh, and, I, and I was just saying, just take away Alpine and where they are right now. If you look at just upside. I okay, mean, upside. Okay, fair, fair. But here's my thing, right? So you're right. Nick DeVries has climbed every mountain. He's been F2 champion. He's, do we call it FE or we call it Formula E? I, I, yeah, whatever. It doesn't we'll call matter. it FE. We'll call but, it FE. I mean, it's no different than trying to climb the corporate ladder, and then you're like, well, why am I there? Because of politics? Yeah, but but that's not the, this, that's not what we're discussing. Is Esteban Ocon not a deserve, deserving driver in F1 seat? He is. So, Nick is an unknown commodity. He's an unknown so commodity who isn't deserving? Outside. So, my whole thing is, who isn't deserving of an F1 seat? There's only it's one hard person. to say, Nikita. There's two. I mean, There's listen, two. I say, um, again, with Nikita... 
it's quick. To, I'd be quick to say, yeah, Nick's better. But again, I'll give Nikita one more year. But, I would but, say, but Nick won F two championship. Nikita finished fifth. Uh, I feel like Nikita. No, he finished fifth. That was my. I said third, but I was okay. wrong. He finished okay, fifth. Okay, fair. Um, the only other driver I would replace him with is probably maybe Valtteri. No, you're crazy. Valtteri's <laughs> proven he's an F1 driver. Yeah, but where are you going to... I'm just thinking plateaus. Valtteri's hit Okay, plateau. but, but that's not what we're discussing. We're talking about who who is actually deserving of an F1 seat. There's 18 people that are deserving of an F1 seat. I can name all 18, but you know who they are. The only two people that are questionable if they have earned an F1 seat Joe? are Joe and Nikita. Yeah. And you could throw in Mick. You could throw in Mick. Mick won, though. Mick want F2, but I'm saying, I'm talking about right now, who's an F1? Yeah. I think if you haven't come, it's really, you should win F2, but. But what about Yuki? Is Yuki deserving an F1C what you've seen this year? You know, they, they, they re-signed him, I would say pretty early. I think Yuki deserved a C. I think he showed he deserved a C um, in his rookie season. But if yeah, Mick I mean, doesn't, Yuki, Yuki has does. shown flashes. I think Yuki's downfall is just the fact that he's immature. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. But realistically, the only two people that you probably question on the grid right now is Joe, but we haven't seen him on the grid. So I'm not really going to question him. The only person I'm questioning on the grid right now is Nikita Mazepin. Yeah. And you know what? Sorry, I forgot about my boy daddy's money. How could we forget? Actually, hold the conversation. <laughs> hold the conversation. Nikita, yes, should still be there. He's deserving. Lance Stroll, I think Ryan's on the wall, man. If he doesn't have a great year this year. But his dad has paid his way at every level. I think No, his dad didn't pay his racing point year. But I think it's time that the critics listen, Lance, you love motorsport. You love F1. Your dad loves F1. I think at some point in time, and for Lance, like, there's not a knock against him. It's like Maybe you can be great in the sport in another position. No, Lance Maybe it's can, not racing. Listen, Lance can drive. I just don't think he's... I don't think he's just F1 caliber. And it, it's... I, I Maybe it'll come out later, but like... Sebastian Vettel, I'm surprised, hasn't been a little bit more vocal with Yo, the situation. Yo, let's send Lance IndyCar. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so, do you... Th- you know what? After having this conversation, bro, I think Nick DeVries might be the next Aston Martin driver. Think about it. Aston Martin Mercedes has close ties. Dude, Nick DeVries is a, is a Mercedes test driver. I think I think Man, his I'm next team may be Aston though. Martin. I'm shocked that Nikita finished fifth. Let me ask you this. So, bro, maybe because uh, you know we've talked about this briefly. But I was mistaken. Nikita, Nikita is there because of the money. He is there because of the money. He is. Look, there. okay. Let me read you his racing record: twenty first last year in F one, fifth in F two, third in F three, eighteenth in F two. The year before. GP3, second. When's he ever won? He's never won. You can... So then how is he an F1 driver? Yeah, I was wrong on that. I, I could have sworn Holy. he was second, but he, he was fifth. I, in my mind, thought he had done better at the F2 circuit, but... But let me ask you this, though. Does Lance Stroll deserve a seat over Nick DeVries as of right now? <laughs> yeah, because... Lawrence Stroll has a commitment to winning a championship, and they're not going to get any closer this year with Lance. Okay, so I, I don't mean like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick within my standards, even though you know I'm a hater on daddy's money. Has he shown he deserves an F1 seat at, a, at, a, at a, that tier of a team? 
So I'm not talking about like, does Lance Stroll belong in a Haas car? Yes. But does he deserve, not based off of upside, has he earned a spot on Aston Martin's team, which they had a down year, but realistically, they should be a higher mid-pack team. They should be three, four, five. I don't think so, man. I don't think so either. I think you're. I think I'd rather gamble. Put Seb Vettel with Nick DeVries, and I, I am not a betting man, but I feel like you have a better result. I, I wouldn't say a better result, but I think you have a better future. Nick DeVries and Vettel. I, I think you. I think we. I feel like you're gonna have a few more points. I think you underestimate how much different it is managing F1 tires than it is managing like Formula E and F2. Because that's the biggest thing. Like, think about Formula 2. Joe, when we had him on the pod, said, you're in third gear in F1 compared yeah, to... Yeah, of course. There's, there's differences for sure. But I think if you look at Nick DeVries and you look at his track record, it's pretty good, man. It is. Nick DeVries is a talent. Um, next Damn. quick rapid fire, because we don't want to stay too long. I mean, that wasn't really rapid fire, but that was a good, that was a good conversation. Um, next, next thing for you is... That uh, Mr. Verstappen used to call Mr. Schumacher uncle, and he never even thought about that. That's crazy to think. I mean, they were on the same team, Joss and, and Michael, but how do you feel about that? Yeah. <laughs> kind of crazy to think Mike, Michael was an uncle to Max. Yeah. I, I mean, I think as if you grew up around the sport and your father was friends with Schumacher naturally, and er, er, Michael was maybe a lot of uncles. Yeah, but like he's the uncle, like he's an uncle, quote unquote, to now yeah. world champion. It's still different to a world champion. Yeah, now. I mean, I would love to know because I, I do not know if this exists, but is there any, um, what's the relationship like with Mick and Max? I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they're friends. It seems like they're friends. They they talk about each other um, here and there. When they, when they Mick, were asking drivers who they wanted to win, I think Mick, Mick did pick Max. Yeah, right? him and Max were friends for sure. They, they grew up together a little uh, bit. So then... I because I haven't seen it publicized too much, but I wonder what Mick and Lewis are like. I mean, Mick gave Lewis his helmet, and obviously, exactly, and obviously, we know like Lewis is at a different level as far as where he is I in think, his life. I think all the young drivers, are. except for Max, respect Lewis because Lewis seems to be like Lewis bridge almost, everybody. But Lewis is almost a nomad. Like he, he but, he's not but friends he, with any of the drivers. I mean, he compliments every single one of those drivers and all that. He's stuff. a professional. He's not a professional in terms of that aspect. Lewis just generally brings peace, peace, love, and flowers to every single part of his life, bro. Come on. He bro. has said that he's not friends with. I know, but he actually is all about positivity and he yeah. uplifts these drivers, right? He doesn't tear any of the young drivers down. No. You hear about how highly he speaks to George and Lando and who, sure. has, who has you heard? Who have you heard him speak down on? I mean, no one. Exactly. Lewis so is a constant. I think I think all aspect. drivers respect Lewis. Here's a better question for you. Would Max have got Michael's vote or would Mercedes, a German engineer, have got Michael's vote for this year's constructor slash driver's championship? Run it back. Who would Michael Schumacher have been pulling for? Mr. Verstappen, a kid he's seen growing up or the team that took a chance on his ending his career and they're his hometown engineer? Oh, oh, oh. I think that is so hard um, because... Michael Schumacher could equally vote for both because he knows how amazing it is and what it was like to win seven. Bro, it doesn't have to be that hard. Just grab which one do you think? Which one are you betting on? I think he would have gone for Lewis. Yeah, okay. I, I think he's picking Max. He's seen Max growing up. Um, how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about George saying the bottom teams may come out higher? Like 
we've had this long conversation. I'll leave my last note. What do you think? Bottom teams may come out hot from George Russell. I said it right off the jump, bro. Nico Hulkenberg said that the start of the year, it's going to be really But that's not what I'm asking you. Do you think it's coming true? Yes or no? You think an underdog team starts off? I think after the first three races, there will be at least one driver. We're like, where did this come from? Not what I'm asking. Is Alpine number one after race two? Yeah, I think it's 100% yeah, Is it possible? True. Yeah. Okay. I like the take. Because I, I, I think am pretty confident that after race one and two, uh, for sure, there will okay. be a, a driver. Let's be more a, a realistic. Team. Race five. Five races is nah. 25% of the nah. year. Nah. See, see, race two, I agree with you. Race five, no way in hell. There's no way in hell because, uh, especially if we're talking like a Lewis Hamilton, like it's not. First few races, an adjustment period. Yeah. That's why I think it. Does Lewis early. even come back in racing shape? Like he's Dude, been Lewis radio is silent. Back I don't mean like racing locked. shape. I'm like, I think he's taking a longer break from F1 than he would any year because of what, the way it ended. Bro, I think Lewis is in the lab like an uh, Avenger right now, bro. <laughs> Tapped in, locked in the lab, bro, in for, the sim. For anybody that knows, Kurt just started watching the Marvel Universe, so <laughs> uh, that's why he said an Avenger. But I will say this. I think he's going to dominate the world championship. I think it takes him three or four races to get acclimated. I think he's coming in locked in after like race three. That's what I think. I think George is going to have his number in the first little bit of the season. Because George has been, I think George is hustling more than him right now. And I don't blame Lewis. I mean, after what happened in Abu Dhabi, I'd want to take a long break from the sport too. I was robbed. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if Lewis comes back and looks bad, it's going to be very hard. No, it's not going to be hard, bro. I'm going to be very, have a bad taste in my mouth. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about on today's pod? I think we've, this has been, um, you know, last few pods we've gone in deep dives, but today's been kind of all over the the world, man. I mean, we, today was an all over the world podcast. We decided it was, to talk and about I liked a bunch it. of it. I loved, I loved it. I don't know if there's anything else to talk about other than the fact that I'm actually genuinely excited about winter testing. I'm excited to see. I'm definitely not excited for winter I, testing. I don't I'm care. I'm excited to see the teams unveil their cars. I think I'm excited for that. I'm you know excited what? for that. Yes, the car looks futuristic and ugly and all the rest of it. But you know what? Seeing the team colors. Yeah, but that's what people said about the halo. And the halo, I think the halo is good. It grew, it grew on people. Oh, yeah. When I see cars out of the halo, I'm like, they look ugly. Yeah. Um, so who's your biggest mover in the constructors championship next year? Alpine. And where are they? Alpine finishes fifth. They finishes fifth this year. No, they didn't. The, the, they beat. Yes, they did. No, bro. They yes, they did. Fifth. They finished fifth. They beat Toro Rosso. Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari. McLaren, McLaren. Alpine. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, bro. Come on, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so who's your biggest mover? Okay, hold on. Let's redo this. Um, Who's my biggest mover? Oh, my God. They did finish fifth. Who's my biggest mover? This is bullshit, man. It could be down. You know what? Actually, no, I don't want to go down. I'm going to bring the positive energy. My biggest mover is... It's... Man, who's really going to get ahead of those five? Aston Martin, maybe, if you believe in Aston. Yeah, but I I, I really feel good about Alpine, so then it's like, what? Aston Martin's going to be better than McLaren? Okay, so here's a better take. What? Who has... 
It doesn't have to move standings wise. It's not based, make it results based. No, I don't care about points. What in terms of eye test? Who's the biggest mover next year? And I'll give you my answer so you understand what I, mine is Alpine. You know why? Alpine is going to be competitive with McLaren and, and Red Bull because I think it'll be Mercedes one two. I think Alpine because Alonso raced on eighteen inch wheels back in rallying, or I think it was rallying. And he understands those tires more. I think he'll bring a lot to the table with his experience and adjusting to new cars because he's been through like three eras of F one. Yeah, I think they'll be very competitive next year. So, I think Alpine will be my biggest, I guess, competitor slash mover, whatever however you yeah, want to phrase and it. And you know what? That's where I was going, not realizing they were fifth. But when you look at the point differential, there was two seventy five at McLaren, one fifty five. I don't see that much of a gap. Um, I think Alpine is going to be way more competitive. But if I had to pick a team that's not Alpine, then it's going to be Ferrari, man. I think that Ferrari is legitimately going to be contending. Okay, Ferrari is going to be contending. What about our draggers? Who's Bro, making the biggest move it's as simple. a dragger? They still haven't fired my boy Gunter. He's still in the scrapyard. Bro, by the way, Gene you were so is wrong out there. That. You were so wrong. They did not fire Listen, Gunter. they did not fire him. <laughs> Gene right now is probably finding money offshore that's probably not even clean to no, fund bro, this project, No, bro, he has Nikita's money, and he has the Eurocali, which is mixed Germany. Yeah, and those. you know that Nikita's money is definitely not clean. <laughs> we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I got, I got Williams. Bro, Williams is going to be better because Williams actually has... Infrastructure. A, it, it has infrastructure already in place. Listen... I'll say that Haas has better drivers just because Mick makes up for Nikita than Williams. But Williams has got... They're going to have a better car, bro. Okay, and who's going down? Aston Martin. I think it's all backfiring. For I, don't th- I think Aston Martin stays put. I'm I think Alfa with- Romeo is better than... than Who do you um, think I'm going with who's dropping? You're going with Alfa. I'm going with Alfa easy. I love Joe. I'm a fan. Rookie. Not going to have a great year. A lot of learning bumps. And they got Valtteri Bottas on the roster, so... Yo, <laughs> I have a feeling Alfa Romeo... So Alfa Romeo's fight is going to be with Aston Martin. I think that's just... That's, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be one Mercedes, two Ferrari, three Red Bull, four McLaren, five Alpine, six Aston Martin, seven... What about Alfa Tori, bro? Alfa Tori's going to be six, bro. Like I said, six Aston Martin... Seven, Alphatori, Williams, eight Alphatori, nine, nine Haas, ten Alpha Romeo. You're saying Alpha Romeo's tenth? I don't believe that. Hot Boss take, bro. <laughs> yeah, but the, this what? is not this is not logic. the The bottom of my grid is not logic up to uh, eight. Um, sorry, up to nine, ten is not logic. Nine, ten is me just not believing in Bottas. Yeah, I th- that, that's obviously very fair, but I think I think that. Um, I think that after five, okay, Pierre so, and Yuki so, are going to be six. Okay, bro. so so you you want me to tell you exactly why I don't believe in Pierre and Yuki? Tell me. I believe in Pierre, but it's a brand new car. And what has Yuki shown us? How hot headed he is. You don't think Yuki's going to spin out the back of his car a couple times for in, sure? In that new car that's out of control for sure. Hasn't Pierre done that a bunch of times as well? Oh man, Pierre came on so strong. The consistency. I hear you, but how much times has Pierre spin out his car or something where he didn't end up in a wall? Happened quite a bit during qualifying where Pierre would spin out or, you know, he'd hit into somebody and his his front wing would be a little dented. 
Like there, there's some, there's some cracks in the armor for Pierre. He's a great driver, but yeah. I think he's still, I think he's still got a little bit of a uh, head calming to do. And I will say this: you have Seb behind developing a new car. You, I believe in Seb more than I believe in Pierre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that was Seb's first year in the car. Like, if Seb, sense. okay, I believe in Seb more than I believe in Pierre. If Seb ever wants to make his back up to F, his way back up to being a competitor in F1, if he's packed it in, then I don't believe in Seb. But I think Seb's going to come back with a vengeance this year. And you know what? Just talking movers, if we're talking drivers, Seb could be the biggest mover on the driver. It could be, but yeah. So you don't yeah, agree. Now with we're my, getting all into the speculation. So, so, way so, too much so with my Alpha Tori take, do you understand why I put them a little I, I understand it, but I think that. I think Pierre will do well. I think Yuki's going to absolutely have a terrible year. I think that Aston's fight this year is going to be with Alpha. And um, so you think you think Haas is clear cut number ten? Yeah, man. I think Haas is ninth. Bro, Haas is bad. Okay, so we'll leave it out on this. Does Yuki have a good year in comparison to this year? This past year? No, in comparison to yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, no, no. Here, here's a, here, here's the question: <laughs> Does Yuki have a multiple DNFs or multiple? Mistakes in qualifying. Dun, dun. I wish I knew the Jeopardy song because oh I just it. I'm trying to think how many DNS he actually. Well, think about how many how many you times he spun out and all that stuff. I think Yuki is. There's a reason they signed him again. I think Yuki is better, man. I think Yuki needs two more years. I think Yuki next year will be a learning year. The next year after that will be a good year. But that's my opinion on it. I think Yuki's very talented. He's shown he's talented. Yuki drives with like that no fear. And I also think that because Red Bull is figuring out their own stuff, Kurt, they don't have time to pass on so much information to Toro Rosso. Sorry, Alpha Tori. Because you got to think about it, right? It's been the same car for the last seven years, right? With minor changes. So... Alpha Tori's been able to adjust, adjust to the turbo hybrid era. Just want to put this on the record. Yuki Sonoda finished third in F2. Yeah. But he's definitely shown his talent. Yeah. Nikita hasn't shown his talent yet, I would say. The last time Yuki won was Japanese championship. Yeah, I don't care about that. It doesn't matter. Yuki showed me enough flashes for me to, to not feel yeah. like he he. That's why the eye see. test and all the data in this sport makes such a difference, yeah. man. But yeah, so I don't believe in... I don't believe that Alpha Tori will come out with a strong year. I think in three years they'll be strong because they'll have all the Red Bulls data and they'll be able to communicate that quite a bit. I hate that they're a Red Bull team because it's really not fair. Like, how, how are they supposed to actually be? They can never be a competitive team or they can never be a challenger because of Red Bull. They they're always going to be Red Bull's farm team. Yeah. Sell the team to someone who wants to compete. And then maybe that's what they do, but you know what? Maybe give the team to Porsche. Give the team. To what do you Audi. mean? There, there's, there's Alpha Romero and there's Haas for that. Yeah, they're independents. They'll, they're on their way out anyways. <laughs> we'll li- okay, we've been saying we're signing off. We're gonna sign off with this. When does Lawrence Stroll pull out of F1 if they're not successful? Oh no, Lawrence Stroll is gonna. We'll, we'll try to go broke trying. You think so, bro? Lawrence Stroll is addicted to the sport. He's I'm saying in three around. years he's out. If, no, they, no. if they don't compete for a championship. Lawrence Stroll will always be tied to the sport. He may not be the majority owner anymore, but he will be there somewhere. No, I'm talking about where he's actually the face. And so, when does he pull out? And oh, say, when he's not the face? Yeah. Like three years. How much do you think Toto makes compared to Gunther?
Like out of ten, like if a total was ten million, how much is Gunther? Like, Bro, a, like a two? total makes. Total is also, I think, owns what thirty percent of the team. No, no, that's on the salary wise. Like, so let's say totals paid ten million. What oh, is Gunther paid on the total a scale? salary? Might not be that high though. No, no, I'm saying if it was ten, what's what scale would you put Gunther's on? I think twenty percent of it, thirty no, percent. No, um, a ten percent. I think Gunther makes a million. You, so, 10%. no, no, that that's not what I'm asking you. To compare to total scale, how much does he make? Does he make 20%? So if total only makes five, that means he would only make 20% of five, which is a mil. If total makes 10, that means he'd make two mil. Gunter makes 10%. Oh, so you think he makes 500K if total makes five? That's right. That's fair. And we'll leave it at that. All right, that was a good one. Peace. Peace.